Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Narration by George podcast, the podcast on audiobooks, spiritual ideas, and other items of interest. I'm George Taylor, and I have podcast number 94 for you today as we take a look at the book Miracles 32 True Stories. But before we get into that book, let me announce that the book we spent the last two weeks sampling, Avatars of Web Surfer, is now out and available to be downloaded. CD Baby is the first to issue the book. Audible and iTunes will follow shortly. You'll find links on my website, narrationbygeorge.com slash books. At the top of the page, you'll find the icon for the book. Click on that icon to be taken to the page with samples and download links. The CD Baby download is just $9.99, cheaper than a single download in other places. And for a short time only, from now through January 31st, if you'll send me an email to george at narrationbygeorge.com saying that you want the book, I'll send you a link for a free download. If you prefer, you can message me on Facebook or Twitter, and I'll give you those links at the end of the podcast. Or you can check my show notes. So on to our new book. It's a book of a totally different nature. Author Joni Heilman has compiled 32 true stories of God's presence and active involvement in our world. This book is entitled Miracles, 32 True Stories. We're going to sample the book today, and while each of these stories stands on its own, they will collectively encourage, inspire, and uplift, as one reviewer has written. Here's our first sample. The sky was overcast, and the smell of rain was in the air when we got the call. Union Street, car accident, a bad one. We bolted for the ambulance. It was 9.30 p.m. Noise, noise at the scene, so loud. Sirens blared, traffic backed up. Rescue workers shouted to be heard above the noise. Even still, I could hear her a two-year-old, lying in the street, screaming, screaming, screaming. A woman knelt by her, holding her head, gently, firmly. Don't move, dear one. Don't be afraid. I am here. I ran to her side. Keep her still. Can you keep holding her? I need more equipment. The woman nodded, so calm, so very calm. I got the equipment. We secured her. And it was time to move. Still the woman helped. We carried her ever so slowly, so slowly, the few yards to the ambulance, one inch at a time. Don't let her move her head. Be calm, little one, precious child. I am here. The girl had quieted a bit by the time we got her into the ambulance. I set to work quickly, stabilizing her, securing her quickly, it was pouring rain now. The woman stood outside the ambulance, in the pouring rain, watching, listening. As I secured the child, the woman spoke up. Would it be all right if I left now? She stood in the rain. Yes, I told her yes. She could go. I was all set. Thank you. Back to my work. Several seconds passed, and I looked up. I needed to get her name. She deserved more. She deserved a reward. 
I looked out the back of the ambulance. I looked out the windows. The lights were bright. They lit up the whole area. I should have been able to see her walking away, but she was gone. Two doctors in Bangor and one in Boston all said the same thing. Why is this little girl alive? She should have died. Her neck was broken. She should have died, but she didn't. Someone was holding her, holding her still. Still, be still, little one. I am here. Mary believes this woman was a guardian angel, and it's not the first time she has had this thought. Jesus said, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, King James Version. Angels, ministering spirits, continually riveted on the face of the Father, waiting on the edge of their seats for the next command to head for the ladder. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, King James Version. That little girl is alive, a dramatic intervention there. But some stories describe God's intervention in a little more subtle manner. Listen to this story, entitled, The Door. The Door, Lisa's Story. On the outside, I looked the same. But on the inside, I had changed so much, I didn't even know who I was anymore. We kept seeing this ad on TV. This guy, an athlete, kept telling us how much his life had changed, and he said if we ordered this book, it would change our lives too. So my husband ordered it, but then we just put it on the shelf and never gave it another thought. That is, until I found myself out of work again, and I just happened to come across the book. I had plenty of time on my hands with nothing better to do, so I started reading it. I don't remember the name of the book, but it had quotes from the Bible and stories about how God had changed people's lives, and the one thing it kept coming back to time and time again was how there was this door, and that this door was Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. John chapter 10, verse 9, King James Version. As I read, I began to think about my life. It was a total mess. My anger had caused me to lose yet another job. Every night I headed over to my neighbors to get drunk. There were days when I was so depressed, all I wanted to do was drive off the road into a tree. And to top it all off, my marriage was failing. So as I read, I thought about how my life was a complete disaster. And I started wondering about this door. At the end of the last chapter, there was a prayer, so I said it. I got down on my knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. But 
I didn't feel any different. So I got up and went on with my day, but the thing about the door would not leave my mind. It was still with me as I walked down to the end of the driveway to get my mail. When I opened the mailbox, it was empty, except for one small postcard advertisement that said, The doors have been opened. Two big yellow gate doors were pictured, and at the bottom it said, Front Row Video. I stared at this postcard all the way back up to the house. Then I heard the phone ringing. It was a friend of mine. She wanted to tell me about a job opening at a local restaurant. By the time I hung up the phone, the door was forgotten. I drove down to the restaurant and put in an application, and the next day I was interviewed and got the job. Slowly, things began to change. I still headed to my friends every night, but I couldn't drink as much anymore. It made me feel sick. So my drinking slowly decreased, and I didn't miss it. Then when my friend moved away, I stopped altogether. My marriage was ending, and I was planning on quitting my job, but one of my co-workers encouraged me to stay. The very next day, I was asked if I wanted to work in the bakery. It was there that I met Sean. I'm going to hold the playback there. Check out the whole story when you visit my website to download the book. Go to narrationbygeorge.com slash books. At the top of the page, you'll find the icon for the book. Click on the icon for the page, which will take you to downloading options. This book is different from the other books you might listen to or read. When Joni compiled these stories into a book, the intent was to offer a way to inspire and encourage others. So the book has been offered and is still being offered through Amazon as a free download for your Kindle reader or app. While I cannot offer the audiobook the same way, Joni and I decided that this book should be offered for sale with the narrator and author's proceeds going to benefit a worthy Christian charity. That ministry is Every I Will See Him Ministries. See Him Ministries is a work in Haiti whose mission is to change lives through a medical clinic, eye care, and micro-loan programs, to share the love of Jesus by providing humanitarian relief and development assistance to the poor of Haiti. At the current time, a medical clinic is open and is seeing patients daily. Here's the soundtrack of a video which explains this ministry and its work. My name is Luxon Prevail. Um, I'm a full-blooded Haitian. I was born here in this community. <laughs> I am the mission director for CM Ministry, and uh, I work in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as a consultant of Tamatru for Safi Specialist. Luxon came into our lives when he was 11 years old, and for all intents and purposes, he's our son. And so God gave him a vision and us a dream that we would be able to start a more long-term medical clinic, an eye clinic for people here in Haiti. Luxon was a little boy when we met him in Haiti. Over the years, he has become an um, optometrist. I've known Luxon since he was a teenager. He always very meticulous about his education and uh, always see him as one of the new leaders that would come back to Haiti and to make a big difference. And as time goes by, uh, I start realizing that God has a purpose for my life 
And the purpose was for me to do something to help my own country. It's not about fame. It's not about me. It is about God's glory. It is about the people in this community. I was expecting something like this to happen maybe 10 years from now, but it's been going up so quickly, and in a lot of ways, it's an answer to our prayer. Um, we, we are working in two different construction, like for the guest house, the, the medical clinic, also the ice clinic. The ice clinic, well, I think that that's going to be amazing for Katia and with optometry, that is something new. Um, people go with cataracts all their life and not even being able to see. That is something that's going to be huge. By providing good eye care, and people will be able to see again. And you could imagine, that's going to be a big impact on the northern part of Haiti. So I feel excited. I, I'm just tired of the poverty. I'm just tired of the hopelessness that I see around me in Haiti. If CM Ministry could be part of this, of helping them achieving their goals, it won't be by bringing them riches of this world, but maybe I can help by providing a job for some of them, by helping their family, finding their place in this world, and let them know that even though they've been beat down by so many people saying they're nothing, to God there's something. They have worth, they have potential. But if I can see our Haitian brothers and sisters coming together to love each other, to improve health outcomes, to improve education. I think that would be a wonderful thing on the physical level and then spiritually coming to know Christ and to share that love with each other. And as I'm working with them, they are very helpful. The workers and they are very proud of what we are doing here. Sometimes I talk with them and say that that's going to be very, very beautiful. To our workers, we start praying with them every morning, have Bible study every morning, and that we can see a great change in the community. We saw our workers, the people we work with, as our gateway into the community. If we treat them with love, with compassion, I believe that God will use that. There will be our witnesses saying those people from CM Ministries are not there just for show, but they really do care about our community. So one of the most important things about CM Ministry, our mandate, my personal mandate, is that we're not going to come in and um, make ourselves to be saviors of this country and of these people. Haiti already has a savior, and he's our savior too. Our goal, our mission, is to come in and work alongside them, to collaborate with the local Haitian physicians and nurses um, and optometrists to provide care. My dream is to wake up in the morning and to see that everything, everything is finished. And actually right now, our, our dream, our idea have been started. We couldn't have done it by ourselves. If it wasn't God, we would not have been able to buy the property. We would not have buildings going up. And next year, I hope, and years to come, this place will be a blessing for so many here in Haiti. I know God will always be there. He's going to do much more in our life to help people. God is amazing. Come and be part of what God is doing here in Haiti. You'll find more about this ministry by visiting their website, www.eewshm.org. That's www.eewshm.org. As I said, all the narrators and authors' proceeds from the download of this book, Miracles 32 True Stories, will be donated to See Him Ministries and thus benefit the people of Haiti. 
Let's listen to one more sample from Joni's book before we part today. This is from David's story, All Things. All Things, David's story. I may have to go with your God theory, because this cannot be explained medically. David, dear Lord, I would like to see a miracle here on earth. I know that you can perform miracles, but I just want to see one with my own eyes. The phone call. Hello? Mrs. Chrysos, is David there? Gosh, no, David's at school. No, no, he never showed up. Some kids who just came up Broadway said there was a car just like David's. They're pretty sure it was David's car. He he was in a pretty bad accident. Mrs. Chrysos? A moment later. Yeah? Don, it's Terry. Where are you? I'm right in town, heading out Broadway. Why? What's wrong? I just heard David was in a bad accident, out past Kevlan. You should be there. What? What happened? I don't know. I just heard that it was bad. All right. Okay. I'm almost there now. When I arrived at the scene of the accident, the ambulance was already gone, and I was thankful for the few minutes' warning I'd gotten from Terry, because if I had seen my son's car unprepared, I think I would have lost it. It was teetering sideways on a four-foot bank of ice on the opposite side of the road. The passenger side was flattened, and the rear tire was sticking out sideways. The bumper was hanging by one bolt and folded into a V, and where the rear window had been, a jumbled mess of interior jutted out. I pulled open the driver's side door and peered in. All but a small space around the driver's seat had been completely mangled. David? The five-minute drive to St. Joseph Hospital felt like an hour. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. I can't believe this. Please let him still be alive. Oh, God, please don't let him die. When David's father arrived at the hospital, pastors from his church and several other people were already there praying. The 17-year-old was in critical condition, with blood and bandages and tubes coming out everywhere. But at least he was alive, and there was still time to pray. As soon as the news reached Bangor Christian School, high school classes were canceled and people started praying. After being moved to Eastern Maine Medical Center, David was given a CT scan. The results revealed a massive brain injury. David was given drugs to keep him in a coma in an effort to minimize further swelling in his brain. The next three days would be critical. Every moment, at least one family member stayed by David's side. If it wasn't Mom or Dad, it was Brother Jonathan or Billy. Twenty-four hours passed, and the neurologist became concerned. By this time, the swelling should have subsided. David should have been responding more. A second CT scan was ordered. David's brain was still swelling. For three days, David remained in a drug-induced coma. For three days, David breathed with the help of a respirator. And for three days, people continued to pray. Finally, the doctors decided it was safe to take David off the drugs, and the family waited anxiously for him to wake up. But he didn't. 
Another day went by, and on Sunday afternoon a nurse came in to talk with the family. The waiting area is packed with people wanting to see David, she said. We took the chairs out to make more room, but they just keep coming. Do you want to come out and see them before we start sending them away? We just finished counting. There are a hundred and forty-four people out there. Only two of the one hundred forty-four were relatives. The rest were friends and people whose lives had been touched by David in one way or another. Throughout the day, people continued to pack the waiting area. Since it was tournament time, entire basketball teams showed up to offer words of encouragement. One man who had traveled all the way from Callis summed up the general feeling. He told the family, I'm not really surprised that David would draw this many people. It isn't because he's a great athlete, which he is. It's because he's a great kid. A great athlete. To say this high school junior was a great athlete was something of an understatement. As a captain for the Bangor Christian School's baseball team, David had been awarded the title Most Valuable Player two years in a row. As a captain for the golf team, he was MVP three times and had taken second in the state his junior year. As a captain for the basketball team, he was chosen MVP twice, was a member of the Penobscot Valley All-Star team, and had been selected as one of Maine's best basketball tournament players. From the time he'd started kindergarten, David had been telling people that he and his friends were going to win the states in basketball for their small Christian school and it had looked like that goal would be realized. As a starting guard his junior year, David had led the team in minutes played and scored an average of 16 points per game. The Patriots had just finished a 17-2 regular season and were in the number one seeding heading into the Eastern Maine basketball tournaments. A great kid. David didn't excel in sports alone. He was on the National Honor Roll, was the junior class treasurer, the National Honor Society vice president, and a student tutor. He was a volunteer for the Children's Miracle Network, the Salvation Army, United Way, the local soup kitchen, missions projects, and vacation Bible school. And on top of everything else, he still found time to coach peewee basketball and soccer. For David, serving others was something that came naturally. David's mom reports, From the time he was a little boy, David was always willing to help in any way he could, whether he was doing household chores, visiting an elderly neighbor, or giving money to a homeless person. His sensitivity toward others was always apparent. She goes on to say, David told us about a boy at school who always ate lunch by himself on the front steps because some kids had ostracized him for his weight. At least once a week, David made it a point to sit outside with this boy. Some weeks he sat with him several days, and after a while, other kids started joining them. One day, towards the end of the year, David told me there were ten kids out there. So he knew David had a lot of friends, but the large numbers of people visiting the hospital made us realize that he had touched more lives than we had ever imagined. 
In the early hours of Monday morning, four days after the accident, David regained consciousness. Later that day, an MRI was taken. The results were devastating. David has sustained a near-fatal brain injury. His frontal lobe, his rear lobe, and multiple areas in between were injured. The family was prepared to expect the worst. He would need to relearn many things. His personality might be completely changed, and he might never be able to live independently. So people continued to pray. He's awake! He's awake! David's father ran back into the hospital room, where he saw his son's eyes wide open for the first time in four and a half days. The boy had an awful headache, but when his basketball coach entered the room, David immediately asked about their quarterfinal game. When he learned it was only a few hours away, he said, "'I'll be up and running soon. Don't think I can start, but I'll give you a few minutes off the bench.'" We're going to have to leave the story there. That one is entitled, All Things, and it and 31 other stories of God's working in his people's lives are told in Miracles, 32 True Stories by Joni Heilman. This book is now available for download. You can find links on my website by going to narrationbygeorge.com slash books. Click on the icon for this book to find the page for this book with links for download sites. All the narrators and authors' proceeds for this book are being donated to See Him Ministries. I'd love to hear your comments on this and anything else you'd like to share. You can use email, Facebook, or Twitter to send your request. You can like me on Facebook by searching for Narration by George, or follow me on Twitter where I'm at Narration by Geo, or just send me an email to george at narrationbygeorge.com. Well, that's our time for this week. Hope you've enjoyed a look at this week's title. Next week, I'll take a look at another new title, The Swaddling Clothes. That'll be out next Wednesday. In the meantime, God has blessed you. Share that blessing with someone else. See you next week.